0: Ultimately, as God revealed himself to Luther, this is what he said in his works. At last, by the mercy of God, meditating day and night, I gave heed to the context of the words, namely, in it the righteousness of God is revealed as it is written, he who through faith is righteous, Shall live. And this is the meaning. The righteousness of God is revealed by the gospel, namely the passive righteousness with which merciful God justifies us by faith. As it is written, He who through faith is righteous shall live. And here's what he wrote then. Here I felt. That I was altogether born again and had entered paradise itself through open gates. There, a totally other face of the entire scripture showed itself to me. There is freedom in this passage and in the book that follows this passage. Let's look at these verses. 116 For I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written the righteous shall live by faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be Let's bow together. Lord, we thank you for your word that penetrates hearts because of your Holy Spirit applying it. And we pray that that would be the case today. Lord, there is still mystery in, in, in this verse and in the full ramifications that we can only scratch the surface of. But will you use it in our lives today? Will you teach us? We pray in Jesus' Precious name. Amen. If you're looking at the outline, you see that I I talk about an alien righteousness and and how that alien righteousness is revealed. Uh, Let me just clarify it is alien because it is from somewhere else, it's not from within. And if there is to be righteousness, it must be an alien righteousness because any righteousness within ourselves will never be sufficient. Now notice Paul says, it was revealed for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. When something is revealed, it's because there is no way That we, in and of our our own intellect, our own ability, our own figuring out, would have ever ever, uh, understood this. And that's the case with this righteousness. That's the case with the gospel. Everything within us, in terms of our, our natural being, would fight against what the gospel teaches. Because that which is natural for us is this. I've got to work my way to God. I've got to do righteous things. That's what Luther was struggling with. I've got to do enough for him or I'm in trouble. And yet, God revealed something different from that. We would have never figured it out. A gospel that we would have come up with would have been the exact opposite of what the gospel of of the Word of God was revealed. It's the good news that there is a way that has been provided for us from a God full of grace. That's the nature of the gospel. Now, what is the righteousness that's revealed talking about? I <clears throat> here's one place I'd like to give deference to uh, uh, the New International Version, which kind of inserts uh, opinion here, but I think they're right. Uh, where how, the way they uh, present verse 17: For in the gospel of righteousness, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now, let's talk about how uh, the gospel, in the gospel, God's righteousness is revealed. I want to give you three ways how uh, his righteousness is revealed. Notice, it's not our righteousness that's being revealed. It, it's his The first way that God's righteousness is revealed is because God actually dealt with sin. Now, that might sound so obvious, but here's the thing. When we talk about it, it's true that what what happens when we uh, talk about justification is it's a forensic thing. It is is, um, God declaring His people to be righteous while they're still sinners. And so, how could he do that? Well, it, here's why it shows his righteousness. Is because he didn't just ignore our sin. He didn't just say, I'm, look, I'm going to overlook that. I will let you be considered righteous. Righteous, even though you're not righteous, I'm God, I can do that. But his righteousness was such that it had to be satisfied. And so when we see what was done, when we see the finished work of Jesus on the cross, when we see him paying for sin, that reveals the righteousness of the Father that that was absolutely necessary. So the demands of his righteousness were fulfilled and therefore revealed. Secondly, his righteousness is revealed when he dealt with sin on the cross because it provided our forgiveness. So our sin is imputed to Jesus That means it is given to him. That which was ours is given to Jesus. Only Jesus could pay. Only Jesus could go to the cross because he didn't deserve to die, because he was without sin. Let me give you a theological term. We're going to get a few of these today, but I put them in your outline, so... Expiation. Ex means out of. So, what that's talking about is removing our guilt from us by His completed work on the cross. Removing uh, the guilt of our sin by Him paying the penalty. A lot of times we will read, we're not today, but Isaiah 53 uh, as the elements are, are being passed. And in that we get to Isaiah 53, verse 6, which is, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. That's describing our, our sin. So our sin is on us. And the Lord has laid on him, this is Jesus, the Lord has laid on him, the iniquity of us all. So that's the that's uh, expiation. That's uh, our sin being imputed to him. And then thirdly, his righteousness is revealed in this: that more than forgiveness is necessary for us to be right with God. It takes more than just forgiveness. Me explain this. Uh, this is a key, though, for us to be right with God or justified. Sometimes, when, when people are, are describing justification or, or being justified, they will use this term. They will say, It's uh, just as if I'd never sinned. And that's a good way to remember that. But the problem is, that's only half of it. In other words, if we, uh, here we are, we are a, a, a minus over here. We are condemned. And if all that happens is our sin is taken away, then that brings us to a zero. But for his righteousness, what's necessary is not just us to be without sin. We must have a positive righteousness in order to be right. With God. Now, that's where what we call double imputation comes in. Remember, when something's imputed to somebody, it's given to them. We already talked about our sin, that was rightfully ours, being imputed to Jesus when He was on the cross. We talk about double imputation because when that happens, His righteousness is then imputed to us. It's given to us, not because we deserve it, but because it is necessary. And so not only are we as if we'd never sinned, we have a righteousness that comes to us from Jesus Christ. How does that happen? Well, I talk about an alien righteousness received. It says this, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. It's a direct quote from uh, Habakkuk 2.4. The sinner's only hope is faith. The good news is... uh, of sinners becoming righteous before God is that it's a gift from him. Uh, in uh, Romans 5, 17, Paul's going to speak of the gift of righteousness. So it's by trusting in Christ alone for our eternal life that then uh, G- Jesus' work on the cross is applied to us. So our sin is taken away and his righteousness is given to us when we trust in him alone for our eternal life. That's the good news that Paul, the religious one, celebrated. That the Jews that were bound by their religion and their laws, they took part in when they then heard the gospel. That the Greeks who who were trying to please gods that they had made with their own hands... When they came to Christ, they realized the good news of the gospel. And the Martin Luther finally grasped. It's not about our work, but about the completed work of Jesus on the cross that we live. Now let me give you one more big theological term that's actually going to lead us right to this table before us. And that's propitiation. <laughs> okay, you got them all? Okay, propitiation. Through the, that process, we are restored into fellowship and favor with God because his wrath is satisfied. Because God is appeased Remember, Luther could, could sense none of this will take care of the wrath of God. But what Jesus did on the cross absolutely pleased the Father and appeased his wrath toward his people. Now, when I say restored, it's not as though any of us had a relationship that was, was broken. We were born We were born with that broken relationship because we're born sons and daughters of Adam. But that's when it was broken. Now, maybe you've noticed we've used a lot of theological terms today. I've decided that I'm not going to protect you from those, okay? You're ready for them. But I will tell you this, if these are all new to you, if you've never heard them, or if, if they're still all fuzzy, like you may, maybe got the first one and said, okay, that's all for one day, you know, or something like that, that's okay, because we're going to be hitting all of these. I want to introduce you to these, because we're going to be hitting these again and again from every angle as we go through Romans until... By the time we get to the end of Romans, you'll be, you'll be throwing propitiation, expiation around at the next Christian cocktail party you go to. and <laughs> Yeah, how about that propitiation? Yeah. I'm. <laughs> so don't worry. Don't be overwhelmed. Uh, I pledge to you that I will try to explain them to the best of my ability. But we're going to be talking about them a lot. But here's what I want you to know today. That expiation, propitiation, that's what this table is about. That's why I want you to hear that. Those are, those are terms we made up. They're propitiation's in the word, but... Uh, but that's what this table is about. It's about celebrating the removal of God's wrath from us and celebrating our fellowship and our favor with God. That's the gospel of God.